I am becoming more and more convinced that one of the most powerful ways to drive revenue growth is by strategically improving your customer experience. Today's guest, Carla Johnson, is the author of Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing. She's going to share with us how we can enhance customer experience to increase revenue. Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect. Today, we've got a great conversation with one of my favorite authors, Carla Johnson. And as we begin, I want to let you know about an exciting new event that is spinning up on May 17th. The Client Appreciation Challenge will be a week of inspiration and ideas leading up to Customer Appreciation Day on Friday, May 21st. We are going to be coached by the masters, including Tom Hopkins, on creative ways to show appreciation to our clients. Check this out and sign up at www.clientappreciationchallenge.com or text the word challenge to 21000. Today, we get to talk with one of my favorite thought leaders, Carla Johnson. She's the author of Experiences, The Seventh Era of Marketing, a total playbook for creating a meaningful client experience. She's also the author of a new book coming out in June, Rethink Innovation, How the World's Most Prolific Innovators Come Up with Great Ideas That Deliver Extraordinary Outcomes. This conversation with Carla brings a fresh perspective on how we can think about client experience as a driver of growth. You'll learn how you can differentiate, add value, and drive revenue by improving your customer experience. We will discuss the power of stories as components of the experience, and we'll also explore the power of innovation to create value. This is a fascinating conversation, so grab a pen and a notepad and get ready to learn from Carla after a word from our sponsors. Carlo, welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Daryl. It's great. I can't wait to dig into some of the things we've uh, talked about talking about. We have got so many great things to talk around innovation and customer experience and all of that. But first of all, I just um, I just want to say uh, to our audience and, and to the Revenue Growth community, a huge thank you for this gem of a book, Experiences, the Seventh Era of Marketing. Uh, that you and Robert Rose put together. It is a true playbook on on customer experience. And there's so much dynamite in here right now that I think is so relevant for where we are in the world today. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And you know, I really appreciate that. And I think you just hit on one of the biggest things that mattered the most to Robert and I when we were writing this book is to really 
show it as both an inspiration and an execution mm-hmm. of how to create those story-driven experiences that really have meaning for, for people, the people who do the work, and also the brands that they're developing them for in order to develop those relationships. And who, like, there's no way Robert and I could have known five years ago the importance of experience and building those story, story-driven experiences, what would be needed now. You know, and, and maybe that's why I hear so many people talking about this book that that came out five years ago this month. Yeah, and um, it's still it's even more important now than when we wrote this book five years ago. Yeah, I, I think I think it's absolutely, and I love you know when when you trace in that book the seven eras of marketing all the way back to the Stone Ages, <laughs> um, you know, with Fred Flintstone and the you know the product era and all of that, all the way through to um, where we are today, that there there has been a shift. I, and describe how do you see this shift, this last shift between the relationship era and the experience era? Where's that? How's that playing out? Well, and I think what we see right now, especially with the experience era, is that experiences take things like relationships just one step further. Mm. And many times, the relationships that brands have with a customer can feel almost, um, uh, while you feel you feel that you have a relationship with someone, what makes the difference and takes it to the next level is when you share an experience. And that's what's been so important. And what prompted Robert and I to write this book is that we could see this becoming so important, not just in marketing, but in business and business strategy itself. And that's why you see things like Nike developing the fitness app Mm-hmm. And it goes beyond just selling the you know products and, and equipment that athletes need, but let's actually create an experience that we can develop and and go through together as as both a a customer and a brand. And you know you see that with Red Bull, it's not just the product of of an energy drink; it's the experience that they're creating together with their audience about what it's like to live this you know juiced up lifestyle and things like that. And that's, that's what has meant so much. And I think even particularly in this last year, that's why um, this book has been even more relevant than we ever could have imagined, is that in the absence of kind of the um, almost, I would say, numbness of how we've been doing business is that we've, we've had all of the, you know, the hustle and bustle stripped away and it's down to just the foundation of what matters to a company and a customer mm-hmm. and an audience in that relationship. And, and it truly is the experience. And now that we aren't able to um, gather together as, as we had traditionally or, you know, have those kind of in-person relationships, what's the experience, you know, whether it's something like an app or whether it's, you know, the user experience of a brand from the outside as an audience member or customer, or even internally as an employee. I think that's something that's really come to light this last year that we don't expect yeah. when we think about revenue growth. And I think that's what's so so powerful about this right now is when you look at this seventh era of marketing, you look at the reality that experience is where we create competitive differentiation now in a market saturated with noise and similar products and services um, you know, your experience is, is your company. Um, and, and it's such a great perspective. I mean, we've had, 
you know, that we've had this, the customer experience people all sitting on the customer success side of the table, not really talking to sales, not really talking to marketing, very siloed in most organizations. But really, when you look at it as a competitive driver right now, sitting down together, as we're talking about it, the sales and marketing alignment challenge, you know, getting everybody in the room together to go, what can we do to make this experience better? And from the perspective, a lot of what you're talking about in this book here is what can we do to, to build stories around that experience? And I thought that was a very uh, powerful perspective in terms of thinking about the message, not just the message, the stories that you build are so uh, such fundamental parts of the experience and uh, for our marketers and salespeople listening in, who what we do is tell stories, um, framing the stories that we tell around the, the experience is really a powerful paradigm. Maybe unpack that for us for a few minutes. Absolutely. And I, and I think the idea of story is such a unifying force mm-hmm. between marketing and sales, because I think historically we've looked at marketing as being like the brand story people, you know, mm-hmm. what's, what's, what's a brand platform and how do we talk about that? And, and not always successfully in a story format. And then there's sales that has their own story ecosystem that is all about selling the product. But when we start to look at how do we build that relationship and, and create an experience that's cohesive, that's ongoing, that's connected across everything that we develop and produce and publish as a brand, there is no, from the consumer side, from the customer side, there is no transition from marketing to sales Mm -hmm. or, you know, from pre-customer to, you know, to customer. It is one unified story-driven experience. And when I do workshops with marketing and and sales groups, that's one of the most eye-opening things that they see and the impact that it has on revenue Mm -hmm. is that ability to begin to tell the story earlier in a relationship because, you know, traditionally, especially sales, but most of the time marketing, they they focus on the on the buyer funnel. And really the opportunity with the story-driven experience is that you start telling the story much earlier in the um in the process that marketing can start to tell. So it creates that familiarity, it creates that trust. And through the story, you're able to answer important questions sooner in the equation. And so by the time someone, you know, from the brand side does transition over to a sales relationship, it's that those, um, I call them the, the questions that Google can't answer, those <laughs> are the conversations that, that sales has. And marketing has already done a tremendous job of telling the story that answers those questions so that the conversations that salespeople are had are higher value. It's a much better use of their time. They're able to be more personalized and more specific. And with that first foundation of trust of oftentimes producing content that is part of a story that a lot of brands hold information close to their chest and don't want to share because they're afraid that their competitors may, may, you know, may grab it, copy it, rebrand it and, and, you know, use it to their advantage. The, the nice thing about a story driven experience is that if somebody grabs a piece out of that, that story and tries to reuse it in their own situation, it's out of context and it doesn't mm. work. And so when you, you know, you think about it, if you just grab a, a snippet of a Game of Thrones episode and you try to, you know, build a sales program on it, it's ridiculous and it doesn't make sense. Right. 
And, you know, and so if you can build your own Game of Thrones type narrative across the, you know, the marketing and the sales and the customer retention and, and service kind of um, relationship, then people are in it for the long haul. And, and they're not just in it because, you know, oh, you know, there's, there's a place to go from here. They're in it because they're passionate about the story. They mm-hmm. feel a part of it. You know, it's, they truly feel that they've moved from a relationship into an experience with a brand. And that's what matters. Yeah. Wow. Other than the Game of Thrones story, a lot of people are going to die. So I don't know if that's <laughs> the best story to bring our clients. That's true. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it it really is. Uh, it's great to think about. Now, I really enjoyed the the just the the concept of thinking about that story woven all the way through the the relationship that you have with the the, the client and, and customer um throughout the whole process becoming you know a story that marketing and sales and uh the company in general tell together and that's you know it's so common that i mean it's the opposite right when you go into organizations marketing's telling one story, sales is saying something totally different. And the experience just on a super practical level, the, the, the customer prospect has is who are these, who, who, you know, it's immediate cognitive dissonance and like, what? Um, So the, the idea to think of experience in terms of story, very, very profound, but in order to do that, you've got to be innovative and, that's this right. <laughs> is, uh, let me tell you, I'm a recovering, and those listening to the podcast now, I'm a recovering sales rep. I'm down to therapy twice a month. It's going pretty well. <laughs> and I've also had my foot in the marketing world for 18 years um, with agencies and, and helping companies with growth strategies, all of that. So um, when, when I look at all of this, what I see from the sales side is I don't, you know, while there may be some new technologies coming in innovation and sales, we're kind of doing the same things. We're trying to do the same things sometimes that we did in the 1990s. And while marketing has a lot of new bells and whistles and gadgets and amazingly cool platforms on which to communicate, the reality is we could use a huge shot in the arm of innovation. And so you've got a book that is hot off the Kindle press uh, and is coming hot off the paper press in June called Rethink Innovation, how some of the world's most prolific innovators come up with new ideas and all of that. First of all, brilliant, love it. Um, Highly recommend that you don't even wait for the paper copy. You go get the Kindle one uh, right away because you're going to enjoy this book. I think that this concept of coming up with fresh ideas and innovating is something that sales and marketing teams, especially right now in our rapidly changing marketplace, you have written the right book with the right message for the right time. We need this. Carla, thank you. There you You're go. Welcome. How about oh my that? Gosh, my, my head couldn't be bigger than it is right now. And I couldn't feel more flattered and, and actually a little taken taken back. It's it's taken me five years to write this and, and really the connection between experiences and rethink innovation is that as I would talk about re, uh, experiences and, and the program and the ideas, it was so well received. And one of the things though that I heard as feedback consistently is that people would say, 
I understand the concept. I love the idea of the story-driven experiences. The framework is amazing. I now know how to execute it. But the one thing I still don't understand is like, where do I get these new ideas? Yes. And for me, I, I've always been an idea person. And I, I, it was hard for me to understand that. Like, how could you struggle with coming up with an idea? You need an idea. I'll give you 50 of them right now. And what I realized, I, I had a friend actually point this out to me, that, that how I think in that way isn't typical. Mm-hmm. And I think for many of the idea people, and there's the famous Steve Jobs quote about connecting the dots and you can't see them looking forward. You can only see them looking backward. But I think the the people who are the most prolific connect the dots, but don't even realize it. And that's what I wanted to dig into is, you know, is this process that the world's most prolific innovators follow, whether it's somebody like, you know, Steve Jobs and, you know, an Oprah, Richard Branson, and, you know, an Elon Musk, the people that we hold up as icons of amazing ideas and, and innovation and creativity is the process that they use something that can be put into a framework and a methodology. And then is it something that can be taught and learned and then executed pretty much by anyone? Because I think one of the, one of the stereotypes that hurts everybody who wants to be more innovative is that it can feel like a very elitist thing mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a lot of companies, innovation is its own particular group. You know, it's it's geographically, it has its own real estate, it's set apart. You know, maybe these are the people who had the first stand-up desks, they could wear jeans to work and everybody else, you know, had to wear, you know, the dress down khakis or, or whatever it was. It was always like a, a visually special part of the company that was clear to everybody else, you're not part of this. Mm-hmm. And, and when that happens, I think we really miss the biggest opportunity to truly be innovative as a culture. And especially as we look at marketing and sales and, and growing revenue, because 90% of innovation happens outside of the products and services that we sell. And there's no way that that handful of people in the special real estate in an office can solve all of the problems that the organization has because most of them are non, you know, product development R&D type type problems. And so the opportunity that companies have is that let's focus on the even the low hanging fruit of the other 90%. Mm-hmm. And I think for marketing and sales people, that's why this is so powerful right now is because we are definitely in a time where everybody knows what we've been doing isn't going to continue, but how do we understand the opportunities, identify the opportunities, understand what they are, and really create those experiences or you know, solve problems in, in ways that are very different from how we've always thought. And that's what this framework does is it breaks down how to take something just as simple as going to a coffee shop or standing in line at the grocery store, some everyday thing, Mm -hmm. and how to turn it into an incredibly phenomenal idea that can be executed and have bottom line impact to revenue. And now while you can use something as simple as an everyday experience, you can also go out and look at what's another brand, another experience you've seen someplace else, another idea and use this framework to pick it apart and understand why it worked and to how to transplant the characteristics of what worked rather than the entire idea itself into your own work. And I think that's that's the part that I've seen has always been missing 
when people say, you know, look at, look outside your industry and bring that inspiration in. Sounds simple, right? Well, Mm -hmm. how, how do you know how to do that? And that's what this book teaches everybody how to do. I think it's so practical and and the framework here for you say in the book, innovation is about consistently coming up with new, great, and reliable ideas. Um, new, great, and reliable. This this uh, it, this was to me, and this is right at the beginning of the book. I thought this was a very very powerful perspective because I think sometimes. When we think of innovation, we think of the, you know, blue jean wearing beanbag department of people coming up with wild and crazy ideas. I love them, by the way. And we need that. Uh, We need product innovation like that. But there's like a practical level. And I think it coalesces around what we can affect for customer experience, where we've got to have ideas that are new, great and reliable unpack those three things for us. Cause I thought that was a really good framework to bring innovation down to the, you know, to the ground floor. Absolutely. And, and that is the first chapter in the book is really defining what is innovation, because I think, you know, go to a search engine and, and search for what is innovation. You'll have 2.3 you know, million answers in a matter of a, of a microsecond and none of them are the same. And, you know, again, taking the idea down to its most simple form is that innovation is about consistently, and and that's a big part. If you're going to be a prolific innovator, it's about consistency, just like any performer, any athlete, you do it once and you're done, you know, you're not, you're not someone that's held up as an icon and and it takes that consistent practice and consistent delivery. But a new idea is something that hasn't been done before. And it could be hasn't been done before in that way in your in your industry. Like I I talk about how the inspiration for the BMW iDrive system, they pulled in from the video gaming system. And McDonald's drive-through design is patterned after a Formula One pit stop. So those are idea examples of ideas that that are new. They're new to the industry. They're not completely new in the world but they were able to draw something from someplace else and make it new in how they were doing business. But if all you do is focus on something new, I mean, we've seen train wrecks across history of companies that have tried new things and, you know, um, things like Cheeto flavored lip balm and Harley Davidson making cologne and things like that. (laughs) New ideas. Absolutely. Successful ideas. Not so much. You know, so, so that one characteristic of new isn't enough. So we look at what is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, this one, this characteristic is a lot more subjective, but I think of a great idea as one that gives you goosebumps and makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And, and it's what David Ogilvy describes as um, it makes you jealous that you didn't come up with it. And it makes you go, wow, that is so amazing. So there's a, there's a very emotional feeling behind understanding an idea that's great. But there's been a lot of ideas that we've said, wow, that's amazing. That's great. That, you know, skyrocket once and and then they're gone and we never see them again Mm -hmm. because they don't have longevity. You can't rely on that to make money for your company. And that's where we get to the third aspect. And that's a reliable idea. And if you have an idea that's reliable on itself and it's not new and great, it's probably incredibly boring. You know, and and those are the companies that have, you know, one idea and they hold on to it forever and ever and ever. 
And then they miss opportunities because they haven't been consistently looking for ideas that are also having characteristics of being new and, and great. You know, a reliable idea when it boils down is one that makes you money. Yeah. And so you, you may have a, a, an idea that's great, like totally gets people psyched up. It may be new to your industry, but ultimately at the end of the day, if it doesn't have a financial bottom line impact, it's not a reliable idea because it can't be executed. And so the ability to consistently come up with ideas that have all three of these characteristics are why I believe the foundation of rethinking innovation and what it means is so powerful for companies right now, because many people think I, I, you know, I don't have time to innovate or we can't fund more R and D or all of these things that focus on traditional, conventional, very conventional innovation. But again, what they're losing is the opportunity of the other 90% of their organization, particularly sales and marketing, to truly be innovative by bringing in inspiration from outside sources to mm -hmm. be massively successful and to show up in different ways that we really do have the opportunity to define and deliver. Yeah, and we were uh, we were chatting about uh, good old Jay Abraham, right? I mean, just one yeah. of my favorite thought leaders um, over the decades now, and just that that simple realization that sometimes the best ideas are outside your industry. You know, it's like pick up the pick up your head and look outside uh, the industry. I loved in the book how you talked about just. Pay attention while you're walking through the coffee shop, you know, next time oh, you yeah. order your latte and, and, and there's all kinds of things that we can do to create a cycle of perpetual innovation inside our organizations. And um, when it comes to revenue growth, we need right now a, a consistent, steady flow of new ideas. And um, once again, for sales and marketing leaders listening in, you may go, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not in the uh, product development. No, but you're in the experience development side of things. We're very, very involved in the customer experience. So this is where um, what you've outlined in the book uh, is, and you got to get this book. If you're listening in, this is, this is going to be a handbook that you're really, really going to appreciate because it goes through a very practical five-step process that you can use, rinse and repeat in your organization. You call it the perpetual innovation process. I think this is um, pure brilliance in its practicality to make innovation um, a part of the culture. Walk us through, uh, you know, and I know you can only do so much here in the few minutes we have remaining, but um, these five steps and how they flow together to to create help people create innovative ideas. Absolutely, and and I'll do it with, <clears throat> excuse me, with an example of how it was used in the sales and marketing world to make it feel a little bit oh, more cool. real. Um, so I have this friend. His name is Tim Washer, and Tim at the time, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time um, was uh, on the creative side of sales and marketing for Cisco. And you know what it's like to launch a product in a very tech heavy company. You know, a lot of times, you know, it's especially engineering driven company. And I feel that I um, have the chops to say this because I come from an engineering family. I studied engineering for two years before I went to the dark side of, of marketing and <laughs> in, in university. Um, but engineers love their products. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that make their products so great is because they're mm -hmm. so into the minutiae of it. 
they love it so much that it makes them blind as to the relevance of it really in the bigger picture. A lot of times when it comes to the sales and marketing process, you know, it's so focused on product marketing. It's focused on product in little teeny tiny marketing. Mm -hmm. And so he knew that this opportunity with this, um, it was a Cisco ASR 9000 router. And he said, you know, I I didn't want to do another talking head video of an engineer because how many people actually buy a big box of wires that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars because of a headshot of a, you know, engineer talking about the, you know, awesomeness of the electrical system and, you know, power saving capacity and all of these other things. And um, so he knew he wanted to do something different. And he was in a comedy club in New York City one night and Ray Romano was the comedian on stage. And now Tim knows comedy. He's not just like your backyard barbecue, have a few beers and he starts rolling out the jokes kind of comedian. He um, uh, he was a writer for Amy Poehler on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. He's written for Conan O'Brien. He's worked with Stephen Colbert and Bill Nye, the science guy. So, so the guy knows funny. He knows humor. And he was in this comedy club and he happened to look around and he was watching Ray Romano and how fast he could build this sense of rapport and trust with the audience. And as he noticed all of this, he was actually, without knowing it, he was practicing this first step of the process and that's observation. So he was Mm. doing something that he does naturally, but he was just able to step back a little bit and really observe the situation he was in and and what was going on and the reaction of people, you know, what Ray was saying on stage and how he performed and body language. So he really went into this deep, detailed situation of, of observing what was going on. And then the next thing that he did is that he said, okay, if, if we look at all of these different things I've observed, what are the patterns that I'm seeing? I'm seeing things about being able to build rapport quickly. I'm seeing things about talking about things that I know matter to my audience. And I'm doing it through a way that's humorous and makes people laugh. And when you have laughter in the equation, it makes people lower their emotional walls and it builds, you know, Tim talks about if you can get somebody to laugh, you can quickly build an intimate relationship in a, in a short amount of time and in this feeling of trust. So in his ability to, look for patterns, he was doing the second step, which is distill. Mm. And he distilled all of these observations into things that were the root of what worked for this particular situation. So then as he thought about that, and he thought about these patterns of of distilling things into humor, into talking, into building relationships and trust in in a short amount of time, Then what he did is the third step, and he related those concepts into the work that he was doing at Cisco. And he said, you know, he he asked himself, you know, how might we start to build relationships faster? How might we use humor in ways that could be acceptable in a sales and marketing situation? And And these other types of situation, other types of questions that he asked. So that was the third step. And then it was moving into this fourth step of generating ideas that he now came to it with new inspiration, you know, to to Jay's point, let's bring something in from the outside world. And that's how he started to generate ideas that came to this um, video that he ultimately created and produced. Now for most marketing and salespeople, they never do the first three steps. 
They say, we need a new sales program. We need a new marketing campaign. What ideas do you have? But the problem that happens with that is that there's absolutely zero inspiration in the ideas that you come up with. They're generally just a rehash of something you've already done before with a little bit of different, you know, let's spray the hair different, put a different lipstick on it. And, you know, the pig's still the same pig, or they're trying to directly copy and paste something that's happened in a, in a different situation and it never works. So that goes back to when we're talking about the storyline, you can't just extract a little piece of the story and put it into your world and execute it because it looks ridiculous. And so that's why when you're very open about the story that you tell, people can't copy it because they can't take it in whole. But that's what happens is that people try and copy and paste something that's worked for another brand, you know, often a competitor as well. Mm -hmm. So now they have a true proven process to have brought inspiration in from the outside world and applied it to their own brand in a, in a way that specifically relates to the problem that they're needing to solve. So for Tim, he was looking for an, an opportunity to, to do this fourth step, generate ideas for attracting analysts and um, media attention on hardly any budget at all for a new product launch that would make them stand out. And then it was um, easy to pitch his idea because he could create a story journey of his idea, starting with the inspiration that he had from the outside world. And that's how he was able to get people to say yes to this idea. And the idea manifested in a video that's one minute long. And the product was launched right around Valentine's Day that year. And so it talks about, um, starts out talking about how do you say I love you to your special sweetheart? Well, there's three ways you can buy your flowers, buy your chocolate, or, you know, carve your name in a heart on a tree. And then he, he launches into, but now there's a fourth way. And he goes into talking about the Cisco ASR 9000 router and how it ends up being the ultimate expression of love. And it works because it is so ridiculous and so over the top. But when they started to look at the at the results of this, and they didn't put media and advertising or anything behind it, they just released it on YouTube, and then they sent it out to the sales team and some, you know, and some of the marketers, and told them it was out there. But it was phenomenally successful because one, it made Cisco look completely different from anybody else, you know, in in the competitors when customers were looking around, but it caught the attention of analysts and the media. And they were the ones saying, I've never seen anything like this before. And, you know, if, you know, you usually think if you run into somebody who's going to talk about a, a Cisco, you know, a router and backhaul capacity, you can't get away from them fast enough. But this is something, you know, you really are going to watch. You're really going to want to seek it. And so when you look at revenue growth and especially with B2B customers, the places that they go to do their due diligence on a company and and a product that they're going to buy, particularly a new product, is the median analysts. And so here were these two groups of influencers say, you've got to check this out. But I think most importantly, it was the experience, back to the idea of the experience that happened when salespeople shared it in customer meetings, is that they would open up meetings with this video and it got everybody to laugh. And that right there, they put down their emotional walls. They were more um, willing to have vulnerable and open conversations. And Tim said one of the most powerful things from this simple video that used this outside inspiration is that they were able to get appointments with three big target clients that they had been trying years. You know, they've been knocking on those doors for years and could never make headway. And now all of a sudden they said, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you. So that's, you know, it's one of the most powerful examples that I came across of, 
of how you really can use inspiration and rethink what innovation looks like and how to start how to start to apply this five-step process to sales and marketing in a way that definitely does impact the bottom line and and um, help you deliver those extraordinary outcomes. Mm. What a it's just so practical, Carla. I just I'm I'm so grateful. I have a feeling this won't be your last uh, our last conversation on the <laughs> Revenue Growth Podcast because there's so much to unpack here. But this this framework of observe, distill, relate, generate, pitch, which obviously you go into each one of those in the book, in, in what's a true playbook, a manual for how to do that inside your organization. Sales and marketing teams are very much going to benefit from, um, from this model and this framework. And uh, so I'm just so thrilled. The book is coming out in June, right? Officially right. in print version. And it's available right now on Kindle because I'm looking at it. <laughs> That's right. It came out uh, a few weeks ago in Kindle and June 29th is the drop date for the print book and also the audio book. And um, it's the front half, exactly as you said, is very practical how to. And then the back half is, okay, now you know this process. How do you start to bring it into your work consistently as an individual with all the dynamics that you know happen in an organization how do you create teams that are more aligned in this way? And then ultimately, if, if you're a leader, how do you create a culture that's more open to being, um, you know, a, a group of original thinkers? And I think that's essentially when I want people to rethink innovation, I want them to, to rethink what it looks like back to our conversation of even just the definition. Yeah. And let's take something that right now is stereotypically expensive overly complicated and something only people with, you know, unique credentials behind their name can do. And let's really democratize it because that's the power of creating that revenue growth for any organization. Pure dynamite. Carla, thank you so much. And it's been a, a true pleasure sharing time here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love this. It's really fun to talk about the the connection between experiences where this little idea started and and where it's at now. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Carla. And thank you to everyone in the Revenue Growth Podcast audience. It has been so much fun um, interacting. What's cool is the 2021 Sales and Marketing Alignment Challenge. Uh, well, it didn't really end because we keep bringing more and more bonus sessions. If you want access, if you missed out, the good news is you don't have to have any fear of missing out. You didn't miss out. It was all recorded. Uh, you can go back and you can hear from Joey Coleman, Jeb Blunt, Mark Hunter, Meredith Elliott Powell, and more. Just go to 2021alignmentchallenge.com. Get registered. You'll get access to the videos and we'll have bonus sessions throughout this coming year. Uh, but I just wanted to stay right now. This is a time where uh, in 2021, we've got to get it done in 2021. And I get to talk with so many of you who are driving and thriving right now. And as always, I just want to cheer you on, keep working hard, keep being innovative, keep working on your customer experience. And as we always say, let's get going and let's get growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book 
You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.